Welcome to Flow Hack. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Thought Hack. Shout out to our sponsors, Blue Microphone, uh, whose equipment we are recording this on. So big shout out to those guys. Catalyst Case, of course, and Sensedoke. Um, So I have the pleasure of, and this is somebody I've been wanting to have a conversation for forever. So a podcast is just like an awesome excuse for us to sit down and talk. Uh, Natasha Rogers. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's definitely my pleasure. Um, so right before we, um, did this whole, like, you know, customary intro thing, um, (laughs) and this is the worst segue ever, but, um, we were talking about your thoughts on not just esports, but, um, communities of color sort of falling behind in industries or on opportunities that we generally were involved in, but for some reason weren't able to get in on the monetization or whatever. Yeah, I think that. You know, I can't, I've only been here for, you know, three decades, so I can't really talk about, like, what has happened mm-hmm. <laughs> from a, you know, first-hand perspective in the past. But it seems as though we're always clamoring for a seat at the table for a table that's already set. Mm-hmm. Um, and while while we shouldn't necessarily not do that, it's also having a forward vision to think about what the whole dining area could be um, that hasn't even been built yet. Agreed. So, um, you know, there's lots of conversation about, like, economic development. And when we talk about economic development, no matter whether it's in Jersey or Newark or even across the nation, it seems to be so real estate focused. Um, and that's not – that's one – Like, you know, as, yeah. One aspect of economic development. Um, and not looking at other things. And maybe I can speak that way because even my whole background from career education perspective has been about focusing on industries to gain tools – um, and not necessarily trying to be an expert within that industry or expert within that, with whatever my degree manifests itself to be. So I'm not trying to be the best engineer. I'm not trying to be the best lawyer. I'm trying to take engineering skill sets and law, especially tax law, mm-hmm. <laughs> to use those to manifest a bigger piece, a bigger pie. And hopefully the goal is to like own the pie and be able to distribute the slices. I I always thought and um, I remember having this conversation with a group of people when we were at shout out to Black Enterprise where we're at Tech Connects because I go to a lot of trade shows. I do a lot of tech stuff, especially when we're going out Mm -hmm. to meet with PR people to pitch whatever. And it was the first time I pulled up to an event that was tech based and just saw like almost like this sea of black faces. And it was kind of like, okay, wow, this was something I never realized I kind of missed. But now that I'm here, I'm like, oh man, like I, I kind of wish this was something that that was a thing like before. Well, you just put me onto something because I had no idea. And I like do black what? enterprise everything. So what is really? this? And tech what? connect. So the te- connects. they actually do it. No, um, the Atlanta event is entrepreneurship yes, based. Yeah. Um, they usually do this in uh, San Francisco every year, and it's like it's not massive. I think they're growing it out, and it's oh, a brand. It's been like three years about this yeah. because Afrotech was there first. And, yeah. Okay, so I heard about it in a way that it was like controversial, and, and they're killing it too. Okay. And the, the Afrotech team, like okay. you know, congratulations to them. Um, I wasn't able to meet make the conference, but like I sort of like piggybacked off a lot of Twitter yeah. conversations and stuff like that, and it was it looked like it was it was really successful. Thank God for social now. 
<laughs> yeah, and if you I, use it I the like right way, anyhow. I I try to do business stuff and then get off of it because it's just such a weird environment. Yeah. yeah. But um, when when we we're having this conversation, it was just sort of like us trying to shoehorn our way into existing institutions mm-hmm. or building our own. And the conversation to me was always about it's really hard to shoehorn yourself into a system that wasn't really built considering or for you. Exactly. Yes. Very, very difficult, um, but not impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love about our culture and, you know, we're not monolithic, but me growing up in Newark and meeting so, you know, so I had a, like a loving moment when I was in law school because while it was Barack Obama was just, um, uh, won the presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was sworn in yet. Was he sworn in yet? Maybe so. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was like his first, a couple of months into his first term. Coincidentally, my law school had like the largest African-American um, enrollment that they had ever had um, amongst all three classes. And um, it was still a lonely place because law school, especially private law schools, are is a very privileged thing to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have people that like are have been groomed from young as young kids to know that they're going to be lawyers and judges and prosecutors and things of that sort or elected officials um so to make the point was that the people that i connected to the most in my law school program even though it was the largest african-american population they had ever had were the people that had came from under um served areas so mm-hmm. like my bestie is from brooklyn not the new brooklyn like, mm-hmm. but yeah brooklyn. i remember if <laughs> you remember yeah um and with that said um when we talk about um, you know creating a bigger pie, um, thinking about uh, there, these institutions are or these organizations or industries um, are not built to focus on the under, underserved. It's because, um, to your point, we're not there. But also, there's an appreciation for the idea that I know that it's not impossible because. When you compare the two, which I always do, like no matter where I am, you know, offices at Goldman Sachs, City Hall, when you compare what it takes to survive in an urban community or underserved community, you take those same skills, you're going to kill it in the private area. Yeah. Just and, and that's the story that needs to be told more because it seems like it always has to be this separate thing. I'm not going to doubt the idea or um, doubt the, the, the wealth the privilege, the um, the pride in owning your own um, situation, your own organization, your own firm. Um, but there is a, uh, a keen ability to be able to traverse different relationships, different groups of people, and succeed in those areas. That is something very unique that a lot of people can't do. And when you're able to do that, um, you win, right? Mm. You know, we look at Jay-Z multiple ways, um, but I think what he's great at is that he can move through different circles and be respected in all those circles and leverage and win and transform them so that um, when you pivot, you can make them available to those people that those institutions weren't built for. The the funny thing is you bringing up Jay-Z is um, now I've with all this talk of like, you know, supporting African-American culture and doing all this other stuff. I will say when I when I first started my business. My biggest supporters 
and the people who were sort of like did the intros, plugged me into different situations and kind of pushed me. Of course, I'm, I'm going to give myself credit for, you know, busting my ass and so on and so forth. But there are layups. You know what? Um, I'm going to oh, quote I love this. Okay. Bobby Lee mm-hmm. on like, you know, the, the God lob where like, you know, someone <laughs> sort of throws you the pass and, and you're able to catch it. But a lot of those people were not African-American. They were not people of color. Same. Same, same. Um, Every year um, towards the last quarter of the year, I reflect on like where I am in life. Am I accomplishing goals? Um, And basically, am I happy? Um, And uh, maybe a couple years ago, someone said, you know, you have to look at the pattern of your successes and understand what the trend is and amplify and scale up the trend, just like startups. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's awesome. For me, it was like always aligning myself with the older male, white male ally, has gotten me leaps and bounds above anything else. Even though I breathe, ooze, black culture. Um, and I think I had to look at, like, why is that the case? And it was always because I think that um, older white men don't feel like I'm any competition for them. Yeah. Um, I'm a black girl from the hood. Mm-hmm. Like, what's she going to do? Um, but still respected the idea that Traditionally, always, universally, I've always been in male-dominated fields, leading and, you know, somewhat winning, right? They may not categorize it as that, but maybe the one could say maybe the, the one has underestimated me so much that they're so surprised that I'm, like, travailing. And then also it's, like, easy for me to talk to people. Um, so I think it's an asset. So you have to look at what makes it an asset for other people to be around you in business. Mm-hmm. And then um, speak to those strengths. So for me, it's always been, always. I think I've only applied in my whole career to two jobs. Every other job, career has been someone saw something, pitched it to me, and I was like, okay, let's rock with that. I I went with the approach because after after college, like, you know, I worked for this um, marketing firm in Lodi, and I wasn't, I was working seven to seven every day, like killing myself. Like, you know, I started losing my hair, um, like my relationship fell apart, Mm -hmm. just killing myself. And I'm like, okay, this is how it works. You know, you get into the rat race, you you bust your Mm -hmm. ass, and then you sort of like climb the ladder. And I I just like went above and beyond and I I got sick and I had to kind of step back from, from the position. And the tough thing was when I was working there, I'm not saying I was at the top of anything, But, like, you know, I got hired in a position that, like, you know, through a friend of my dad's or whatever, like, you know, I I was able to interview for it. But I got hired in a position that had me overseeing a a very small team. These guys have way more experience than me. They're just like, you know, older white guys that just out of high school joined this marketing company Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. They don't have a degree, but they have way more experience than I do and so on and so forth. So now I'm sort of like a, a team lead in, on a lot of these campaigns. I remember we worked on like this Carvel campaign and we're talking about different things. And like, you know, of course, my perspective is different because I'm younger, but I'm like, I'm going to defer to you guys. I, I understand yeah. a young black kid who's in here. I'm like, you know, I'm not coming in cocky. I'm trying to be as humble as possible. But it was like I didn't have respect. Now, looking back on it, I feel like, okay, that's something you earned, so I get it. Yeah. But back then, I was kind of like, yeah, come on, like, you know, give me a chance, guys. And, like, you know, I, I understand a little bit better now. But once I quit and sort of went out on my own, my whole attitude was just be useful or you're useless. <laughs> Talk so, about it. Yes. Yeah. So I went to everybody, and, um, and this is, and we're going to touch on this in a yeah. second. 
this is an issue I feel like is a problem in Newark's, a lot of Newark's like startup and artist communities Mm -hmm. is everybody has this sort of entitlement attitude of like, well, why aren't you guys doing this for me? Mm-hmm. And my attitude from the beginning was like, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you guys need? Mm-hmm. Like, what can I help you with? Like, and I just kept doing it. And then after a while, people were like, all right, well, what do you, like, what do you need? And I'm like, well, like, I don't really need a lot, but here's an idea. And like, you know, I developed it. And like, you know, after going through the idea, you know, you, you ideate and you conceptualize, here's a pitch deck, check it out. And they're like, oh, wow, this is really put together you're you're ready for us to ask you i was like yeah but i didn't want to like jump the gun a bit and that's how we got game crunch started and like things just started to to go from there um i developed relationships for relationship's sake and not because i thought i might get something out of it and it just that is the key to everything right what do you what do you think about entitlement what do you feel and i might be off the mark on this well it's a strong word. You uh-huh. know, how we present things really um, dictates how conversations and even relationships will happen after that, right? So once you put someone on um, off on defense, that's where they're going to sit always. Um, I think I, too, feel that from time to time. Um, but I have to say, is that a Newark thing or is that just, you know, an element, a characteristic of human behavior in general? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the what are the mitigating factors? So... That's how, I guess, in my maturity in life, I've learned that people are who they are. The question is, how do we um, get what we need out of folks, right, without being manipulative or taking advantage, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I realized is that uh, I have the privilege and the blessing to have lived in, like, six other cities and really understand that um, the things that are happening in Newark uh, people really, really don't appreciate because they still think of like Newark as this impoverished place. Um, it's violent, um, you know, all these negative attributes. Where it's like re- not really so. It's really progressive, especially okay. for the artists and small business community. Because any other place that I've gone to, when it doesn't have any of the um, statistical baggage of being impoverished, you know, coming um, trying to rebound from a rebellion does not do as much as it does for its, um, especially its artist community as the city of Newark does. One, I work, I see the budget. Yeah. <laughs> like, I see the dollars. Of course. I'm just like, oh, this is direct investment. I guess it goes back to the point that we were, when we first started the conversation, is that um, if people don't know how to scale their organizations, whether it's nonprofit, for-profit, they only think of the idea that they're supposed to be getting some sort of direct dollars. They don't even like ca- um, categorize as direct investment. They just think of it as like, I'm a resident here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to be doing something in Newark, as a Newarker, I should be getting that. And no one's ever taught anyone to understand that this can like disappear any moment because it's taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. If enough doesn't come in, then we don't have enough to distribute out. One, if your product isn't one that's returning some sort of investment, yes, yes. Um, return on investment, then it's a competitive space, limited dollars, then you're not going to get what you should get. I think we also do a disservice that um, we don't pull back. Mm-hmm. We just kind of like give less to more people versus, mm, no, like, what are we trying to, why, are, the question, one question is, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. The question is that we know that the arts industry amplifies communities. They bring them together. There's statistical information that like shows this. It's not like antidote, uh, antidote. And the question is, where are we trying to go? 
what are the milestones? What is the benchmark that we're trying to hit? And then who's going to take us there faster, basically? My thing is when you, okay, so I'll, I'll apply it to the, the artist community, but I think it would apply to most industries. And I think um, if we're talking about the artist community in Newark specifically, we'll say versus like a South Orange or areas like mm-hmm. that, where a lot of those artists, let's be honest, like, you know, they have like family money where it's mm-hmm. like, I could afford to be an artist because there's some trust fund or there's, you know, I, someone's going to take care of me. Whereas the artists in Newark, I think one of, one of the things that sort of happens and I think it's to their detriment is they don't understand that there has to be a balance. Newark, like the city of Newark, even though it's a city, it's a, it's a business in a lot of ways. So there has to be bookkeeping, so on and so forth. When you have a conversation, I think they they have conversations based off of motion versus versus logic. So when you're but when saying, we say that's what an artist does, right? Of course, like they're not artists. Aren't business people? They are creatives. Yeah, and they're just saying that I'm creating something of value, and you want it, and I, as an entity, can dictate like what the what the um, what that price but, is going to be. But the the thing about art is the value is intrinsic, right? It's only worth what someone will pay for it. Mm-hmm. So as as valuable as artistry is to the world and to humanity in general, I think when we're talking about individual artists who are sort of finding themselves and just sort of painting, how do you like quantify what an artist is? Like, so if the city was going to say, hey, you know what? Fine. We're going to create a budget. If your artist will give you a check. Which we have. The mayor just did a yeah. big meeting um, last week. So let me start off by saying right, that please. I'm just representing myself. I'm not representing the city of, of New course, York today. Of course. Um, so mm-hmm. hopefully that'll clear things up. And then my perspective is one as a resident in, mm-hmm. of the city and a resident of the world. Mm-hmm. But as a resident of the city, um, it's public knowledge. The mayor you know, had a conversation. I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. just had a meeting like last Wednesday, I think it was, mm. pitching three things. One, we have a new arts director, uh, Fatima Shakur, um, who um, used to be, I think, like the CEO of uh, uh, another arts organization. Um, forgive me that I don't really know yeah. um, her full background. I didn't come prepared to like talk mm. about her full background. Um, secondly, we're going to do a competitive RFP process for funds for the artist community. And three, um, lots of economic development is happening in the city. A lot of it focused around real estate. The city owns about 2,000 pieces of property um, on average per year. And we'll see how it progresses. But at least for the first year, we're going to hold five pieces of property. Um, and um, based upon a competitive process, uh, artists have the ability to compete to basically develop that property, own that property, or at least it for five years to amplify their organizations, whatever that mission is. And in the event that the return on investment is what it needs to be, then you can own that property outright. But then these are these are like business conversations that that we're having with the artists because you can give, um, and this is where I yeah. I sort of split with the community a bit. I understand that a lot of artists aren't thinking about business stuff and so on and so forth. But unfortunately, we live in a world where you kind of have to figure that kind of stuff out. Well, yeah, I mean, even if it's like you know, you could be trying to be the the king or queen of your industry, or you could mm-hmm. just be trying to, you know, make sure that you have a house, um, you know, your, your, your life, you can take care of yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so everyone's not trying to be rich. People just want to be able to completely, <laughs> but like, I mean, either in, in either, um, scenario, sustainability is sort of yes. like, like super important yes. because even if you're completely satisfied, just creating your art and just selling enough or generating enough to, basically pay your rent and eat and survive based needs 
a lot of people fall in those situations where they where they don't and they kind of look outwards versus inwards to me. And I, I would say the community at large, I'm not going to say artists, but the attitude of a lot of creatives also or influencers or whatever is I'm going to pitch a company. You have money. I need money. Give me money. Like, I don't get what the problem <laughs> is. And I, I think we we also play this zero-sum game where it's like you winning means I'm losing mm-hmm. or you losing means I'm winning. And it, it doesn't – it's a little bit more nuanced than that. So I think business education is an important thing, but then pitching that – yeah, I think that there is a, a gap here in the city, considering that there is such a large artist community. Um, Newark Arts Council does exist. I will tell you that I'm not intimate with all the pillars within their organization. Mm-hmm. But considering that there is such a large artist community here, considering that the city is progressing in a way that is very um, economic development focused, it's just a growing city. There's a demand. We have a supply and there's a demand. We're going to meet it. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are not more um, focused... Uh, business institutes, academies to help scale those organizations. Like people just aren't born knowing. knowing. Like, yeah. um, but I also am fundamental. I talk about it all the time. That competition breeds success. Yes, and I accept it for what it is. You know, you, we can and we always flip language, right? So zero sum means that someone feels like they're going to lose if someone else wins. Yeah, but then also that breeds um, imitation, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm all about. You know, investing in someone that does a big thing. I know people are going to complain because they're going to say, well, what about me? Why didn't I get it? But then they also sit back and say, well, I could have did it better. And I'm just like, go ahead and do it. Mm. Like, I'll open up the whole toolbox and say, this is what we did. And you figure it out. Yeah. And it's, especially if the playbook has already been written, then go ahead and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and figure it out. I guess the word, like, entitlement artists, especially as you traverse different wo- worlds, if you take out like the artist conversation, and it was a conversation between Republicans and Democrats about people of color on mm-hmm. community systems, that it would be the same conversation. Like people are entitled; they think they're supposed to have something for nothing. Um, Why don't they know how to like go get a job and get education? And you know, when we think about it, when we talk about artists the same way. Like, why do y'all think yeah, that? You know, yeah, it's just yeah. Like, I, I see uh, your I think point. It's, it's like a you know yeah. very like um, partisan way to think about things. Versus if we take it back to our, like the when we first started having this conversation, mm-hmm. it's really about people focused on um, an immediate need and mm-hmm. not being forward thinking and saying that I want to compete for this smaller piece mm-hmm. instead of understanding what is it that I can create um, in a tangible and intangible way mm-hmm. that creates more value so that there's a bigger pie. I would say, and I'm not leaning left or right on yeah. <laughs> anything, I'm socially, I'm, I'm very liberal. Fiscally, I'm super conservative. Oh, what do they call that? Like blue dog Democrats? Or something yeah, like that? I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't even know. Yeah. It might be like a different term now. But um, I'm very like, if, and I, I live this, this, this way also. How does it work though? How can people, how can anyone be like super liberal and fiscally conservative? Like it's not congruent with one another. I think you could, you, you make small Prudent. allowances. Okay. So yeah. I'll, I'll apply it to my life. Okay. And I have kids, right? So if I'm being fiscally conservative, a uh, a pair of Jordans that cost two hundred bucks versus a pair of Adidas that cost like forty is like there's there's no you know there's no uh, conversation there like we're getting you to forty dollars shoes. But I understand there are nuances to well I'm going to go to school. All the kids have it. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to like, you know, be made fun of because that's going to affect my productivity in school. So there are things there where you can make the argument that spending a little bit more in the long run is the is the better move. And like, you know, being socially liberal, you make allowances for for other like, you know, I don't want to call them entitlement programs because that has a negative connotation, but things that sort of help people get to a point where they're not leaning on the system because even like if we're talking about like Republican policies, certain things that they propose kind of let people fall through the cracks, which actually becomes more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um I I agree a hundred and ten percent in in regards to there has to be something for for artists because art's important. I love music. I I love um, certain art. Like I mean, it it has to speak to you because again, it's subjective. But I don't think that everybody qualifies as an artist because if the if the city created like let's say a billion dollar budget, it was just infinite. Well, it was close to that to three quarters of a billion. Yeah. Oh, for the whole city. Yeah, and it, now we're like, well, how do we kind of quantify your artist? What if I don't feel like working? I'm like, you know what? I'm a creative. I'm gonna call myself an artist so I could get a check. Yeah, I think from a government perspective, that's why um, we should be careful with labels. So mm-hmm. the reality of it is, is that we just categorize people by their socioeconomic status and mm-hmm. their educate, you know, ability to attain education and how that moves and progresses them to move forward and be able to take care of their family, right? Mm-hmm. So whether you're an educator or creative, there's a certain income that you're going to be making. And the reality of it is, is that if that's a good portion of our population, we don't want to push the population away. What is it that we've created for them in order to make sure that they are able to stay here? Mm-hmm. Whether that's enhancers to their current lifestyle or um, uh, you know, influencing them to do other things that are um, uh, tangential or complementary to their lifestyle. Um, what was it I was thinking of that through this conversation, I was like, was very similar. Um, Streaming. So we talked about mm-hmm. like how do we how do we monetize or value um, art? Well, we do the same thing with music, right? So in a lot of the pre folks that predated streaming services can't stand current artists right now because they're like they're putting out music and it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, but those folks are looking at their bank accounts like, well, it makes plenty of sense to me. Like, I'm making money, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not building album, albums. I'm just doing singles. And people don't appreciate that because it's like, that's not art. You're not putting out a full body of work. And it's just like, but I'm here. I'm an artist making money. And you look at it differently. But with that, that technology made us look at art differently. Mm-hmm. So to your point, and I guess the point that we both keep saying is that if we look at complementary w- ways to couple that with what's going on right now, then we can help people traverse into a way that they can live um, by making their art um, and still not necessarily be a burden to public services within the government sector. You just inspired me to do something. So um, I don't know if you know Lauren. Craig, yes, Lauren Craig. All right, so we Mm -hmm. had a conversation about um, Newark Arts Fest and I think it would be a cool idea to do like some type of panel event or or like some type of fireside chat called the business of art and word yeah all right so, so I've like, had mm-hmm. this conversation with Lauren lots of times too yeah. and also about arts and tech I think I'm not saying I'm singularly like the influencer on this on how this happened but the theme for arts um, festival this week um, year is going to be yeah she arts pitched me yeah yeah I I think it's gonna be cool I yeah. think it's it's, it's gonna be really dope yeah. 
That was an awesome idea. If you if you did pitch it, it's, it's I've been talking idea. about it the no. whole time because because they go of, hand in hand. because they go hand in hand and because of exactly you know the middle of this conversation was that the artist community. Um, for better or for worse, is going to feel left behind, even though it has nothing to do with the city's purposely leaving you behind because people mm. aren't thinking out of the box about how do they um, look at what the current marketplace is and say mm. that, how do I fit into that? And and again, I'm of two minds of this mm. particular point because I'm a, I'm a fan of like traditional capitalism where the market sort of dictates what survives, mm-hmm. like survival of the fittest... If you're an artist or if you're a business or you're a store or you're whatever and you sort of get phased out by whatever's newer or better or more efficient or whatever it is, that's just evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as an artist, even at, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I, I have to constantly learn. I have to constantly stay on top of what's new and what's happening yeah, and so on and so yeah, forth. I have yeah. to constantly be aware. Duty of what's happening around me and trends and what's happening here and there and I have to constantly educate myself and evolve because um and I'm stealing this from somebody um what got you here is going to keep you here mm-hmm. so the thinking that helped me grow in and progress to this point isn't going to naturally help me get to that next level so I have to evolve and change into that person who accomplishes that next goal yeah and I, I think that sort of becomes the the wall or the barrier for a lot of people. Yeah, and courage. Yeah, yeah, that's you true. Underestimate that too. So let's let's <laughs> talk about courage. Um, I I follow you on social media. I I get like a vague idea of what you do besides being the CEO. <laughs> and what got my attention initially is um, Kareem Burke Biggs. Yeah, I met him um, maybe. I wouldn't say two or three years ago. No, two years ago. At um Collision Conference. We mm-hmm. we did an interview. We had a chat. Um I'm a huge fan. Shout out of, to Biggs. Yeah, shout out to Biggs. Yesterday. Oh, word. Happy uh, happy birthday, happy yeah. birthday Biggs. Yeah. Um I'm posting on social. Um <laughs> and um we we were in um New Orleans. Him and his team, they were like beyond and um I I forget um what's her name, but like they put us all into a couple of restaurants. It was it was awesome. Yeah, he's a foodie too. I'm a big fan of his and I told him this because as a as a young kid, like sort of digesting hip hop, I was never really like an artsy dude. I was never the kid who rapped. I was never the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I looked at him and Dame, they kind of showed me that there was a place in hip hop for someone who doesn't necessarily rap. Like you could be the business dude. You could be the guy behind the guy. And they inspired me to be that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So besides the Biggs connection, obviously, um, What's it was crazy when I met Biggs, I didn't know who he was. Really? It took me, it was a good six months by, before I figured out who he was, which is a story, like a, a common theme with me and people within my network, my friends and family. Mm-hmm. Like, I meet you and I bond with you based upon like your energy. And I don't think about titles That's or anything. That's better though. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. crazy. He mm-hmm. didn't even like realize, well, also because he doesn't tout, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff either. Um, was kind of shocked too. Not shocked and like, how dare you not know me? But like, mm. for real, girl. Like, <laughs> so yeah. So what did you before you got involved with the city of Newark? What like, what's your background? Um. So by trade, um, I'm an engineer. 
so I did um, industrial systems engineering at Rutgers University. Shout out to Rutgers. He just appointed their first African-American president. Really? Yes. Oh, shout like, out to Rutgers, man. Listen, I'm like, we're going back to the banks. <laughs> overdue. Over, yeah, overdue. overdue. I mean, I mean, 17. I mean, the yeah. Rutgers has been around for ages, years, and I'm just so looking forward to this. Um, you know, not to put too much pressure on folks, mm-hmm. um, but it's a good, for to be such a diverse state, such a diverse university, um, this speaks. It should know. reflect, like, you know, their their student body. Yeah. Know? But then when you talk about people in the, you know, that's equivalent to being a C-suite, trying to find folks of color to for those positions. Of course. It is, yeah. you know, um, as much as we want it, like, people got to stick into the industry, stick in the industries, like, stay in them. Because once you leave out, it's hard, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure for a lot of high profile, high potential, not high potential, high performing people. Like, mm-hmm. I feel it myself. Um, but what's crazy is that I <laughs> um, graduated Newark um, from Science High, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm just going to do something in STEM. Um, and I'm the first person, actually, to graduate high school in my family. Um, my brothers went and like, got their GED, you know, mm-hmm. dropped out, went back, um, let alone go to college. So when I got to Rutgers, um, I was going to be a comp sci major. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, <laughs> I, I, it benefited me, but they should never do this again. I was roomed with a junior who happened to be a comp sci major. And she was going through it. Like, it was just, like, insane about, you know, she just couldn't keep up. And it was just weird. Um, Asian descent, you know, came from private school. I was like, what is wrong? Like, this can't be, you know, we can't, it can't be this tough. You know, I'm not going to break down cry over, you know, mm-hmm. studies. But when I got into my first comp sci class, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it was... Um, I I understood it for different reasons. Like, I was pretty smart. I learned how to code in, like, elementary school. So I'm thinking, oh, we're going to be good. These folks that already came in, knowing Java, um, I just yeah. didn't, we didn't have any, like, Science High was the number one school in Newark, but I still was so far behind these other folks. And um, also, I was sitting in class of, like, 300 people. That was just not cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just felt uncomfortable with it. Um then, so my love affair with Black Enterprise, I had won a scholarship um, from Black Enterprise and had met the editor, and he was sent, um, I think it was maybe like three scholarship recipients. Um, I didn't know that one of the benefits of the scholarship program was, look, I'm a kid from the hood. I didn't know about Black Enterprise before I went to college. I didn't know. Um, but he had sent, he was sending the magazine every month um, until we graduated. And that was the first time that I had saw like a group of people of color all together doing some page after page. I'll call it the Black Bible to this day. It's really transformative. In that article, they were talking about um, engineers and the NBA. And I was like, oh, like I'm a big basketball fan. Engineers get to work for the NBA. I'm going to go be an engineer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how I got into engineering. I just picked one. I didn't even know if like, like I researched it enough to figure out what the type of engineer was that mm-hmm. they needed you know, in the NBA, but that's what the catalyst was. And then I went to a job fair, coincidentally, after reading the article in Black Enterprise, I went to a career fair at Rutgers. Wasn't looking for a job. I was just, I mean, I was like a sophomore, mm-hmm. um, but just happened to, not happened to, decided to, like, to go, I guess, do pre-research. And there was an engineer, um, once again, that had worked for an NBA. She um, happened to be industrial. And I had went to the engineering office right after that and had declared my major. I was like, I want to be an industrial engineer. Um, so that's my background. And it was the best thing ever uh, for me because mm-hmm. what I realized is that industrial engineering is what they call it, the business of engineering. Yeah. 
Um, and you took, we took classes with all the engineers. So I know um, a little bit of electrical, mechanical, everything. But the goal was to make organizations more efficient to scale up. Um, and to also a lot about data analytics and a lot about game theory. That came into play, um, helped me a lot when I went to law school. Because it's really, all we're doing is making decisions. Um, people make better decisions the more information they have with the, you know, um, with Inst not necessarily Instagram, but with social media and the internet, it's supposed to make everything at equal playing field, so it's easier to get information now. So now if everyone has the same amount of information, um, the only way to mitigate or profit off of it is that um, the personal, like, the information you can't get off the World Wide Web. So it's now based upon your relationships, networks, and then also going back to courage. So my background's engineering. Um, I worked for like intern for like five different companies, Fortune 500 companies before I graduated. That was the great thing about the Rutgers program. Mm -hmm. um, every major class, we had to do a capstone for a corporation. Um, and then I was also part of Enroads, which is a summer internship um, program geared towards making sure that people of color are part of um, prominent industries with the goal of you all eventually getting to the C-suite, at least laying the foundation. And um, from Jump, because I had so much experience and body of knowledge, I was able to jump into a program at Anheuser-Busch. Um, and what I didn't know <laughs> until I got there was that they had some litigation, major lawsuit that the union had brought against them to say that there weren't a lot of people of color in management. And as a manifestation of, you know, hardworking people of color, um, I was, you know, manifestation of their dream. Mm -hmm. So there was like three people of color that were hired in the management team. Two of them had came from... Um, like the military, and then it was me. And um, luckily for me, looking back on it, I was part, so there's like 13 breweries in the Anheuser-Busch system. I was in the Newark Brewery, a, a girl from Newark. Mm -hmm. Most of the employees from Newark, they was just like, it was a win for them. And it, uh, unbeknownst to me, it was a win for me too. Mm -hmm. So like you, I came into a team and I was like, well, I know I'm smart, but uh, you guys have been here forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not gonna like, you know, act like I'm smarter than you. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that I have a different seat at the table than you do. And, and perspective is it, a big deal. Yeah, perspective. And also I can, I have I have different conversations with people that you all don't have necessarily the reach to. Yeah. Um, and it was really because I was from the city of Newark that they really like helped me, really, really helped me. And But I treated them like teammates. Like we would have team meetings. We would sit down and talk about strategy, how we would do things. And I was killing it. And for a lot of people that was great. For other people, that was like not good. That was mm -hmm. my first time ever dealing with like jealousy in the workplace. I was just yeah. like, "What is going on?" I remember going home, <laughs> like in tears, like, "What is going on?" And then someone had to set me down. It was just like, "Do you know who you are?" I'm like, "I know who I am," but not. I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. I'm not like thinking that way. And it's just like, "You are a girl that other people have been taught doesn't really matter." And then you came in and you change what's going on in a way that makes them have to rise up to the occasion. Mm -hmm. are, people are not going to like you. You know this, right? Mm -hmm. And it took me a moment, maybe a couple that of years sucks, to figure though. it out. It sucks. It sucks. But one, it's good that someone can break it down for you that way. Because the other flip side was that people just want you to change. Oh, just shut up. Just be quiet. Stop doing that. Mm -hmm. and other than it's just like, you, don't, can become, you can't become great without taking risks. And then also, um, you can't look at your successes and then say, play small in order to accommodate people that are not going to go the same way that you're going. They're people just not gonna, on the same road. People are going to fall off. Um, there was this, um, this uh, I'm going to quote Snoop, and he was giving this example, mm -hmm. right? 
And of course, it's a podcast, so no one's going to be able to see the hand gestures I'm making. But <laughs> he was saying that basically what happens a lot of times is you start with someone here. Mm-hmm. And as you move up and up the, the person sits here, the the problem becomes this gap is unsustainable in, in your relationship. So whether this is a economic gap or mm-hmm. a mental gap mm-hmm. or a spiritual or like however you're you're going to set it up. And I think there are there are end roads because I have friends who are content and I can I think contentment and happiness is a is a big deal in, in regards to people being envious or jealous or whatever the thing is. But when you create this gap, there's only two things that can happen to to satisfy this. And it's either this person comes up or you go back down. Yeah. And I mean, those those are your two choices. Or the the thing falls apart, and we see we see it a lot statistically. Um, what is the name of the study? The Chetty study, um, a economist out of Princeton, um, and this study became very renowned. I think Chetty's now at Harvard, um, but the New York Times picked up on this study and did like a big infographic spread. It was like so gangster, like how they like mm-hmm. broke down his information, but it shows that as we become people of color, spe- specifically African Americans, become more educated. Because we're very focused on the idea of um, making sure that we maintain family and we um, stick with our communities, we still reside in underserved communities. Um, So even though we're educated, we're earning dollars, we stay in communities that don't necessarily serve us. And as a result, then generational wealth is more limited. Really? Um, I thought it was the opposite. No, 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 no. So, yeah, so... Um, it also shows women of color, we don't um, marry outside of our race. Um, and because the education gap between men on in general, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, oh, I don't want to get into no deep. It'd be like, sister, what are you doing, sister? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I don't want to get into yeah. no. This is no, math, guys. No, like, I'm joking. You know. <laughs> Do your thing. As long as everybody's happy, I'm, I'm just fine. I don't want no, no. You know, no issues. But um, uh because of systematic racism, because mm-hmm. of the prison um, pipeline comp, um, system, uh, the, the, the pipeline to prison um, system affects men, um, African-American men, more than it does women. And because women tend to, um, if we're going to marry, marry within our race, then over time, they looked at over 25 years, um, our income doesn't rise despite all the things that are supposed to amplify and give you the ability to earn more income. So even though you graduated from college, even before, even though you're in a at least entry level job that pays more, uh, on average, pays the same as your white counterpart, mm-hmm. um, we still don't make the headway um, because, uh, for whatever reasons, religion, culture. A whole bunch of other things that probably can't get me- measured. We're not making the, an ascent. Mm. Um, so when you say that the gap, either you're going to ascend together or you're going to come back I down. There are a lot of factors in African American culture, and it's so weird because for for such a small like community, if we're we're talking globally, mm. we affect global culture in a way that no mm-hmm. other like demographic does. Like mm-hmm. no other people. Can like stuff that happens in Brooklyn, like basically butterflies out and basically affects style in like South Korea and Japan. Like yeah. who? And we own like almost none of it, but we're that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, and I feel like our culture sort of internally a lot of times you 
you're not rewarded for wanting more or wanting to better yourself or so on and so forth. It's like, you know, you're considered sedity or like, you know, you think you're better. We limit people based upon our vision, Mm -hmm. our focus. Um, If your perspective is only um, at a certain height, then therefore you can't embrace something different unless you're a risk taker and you're comfortable with that. You know, most of people are risk averse. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though... The things that we're doing are not necessarily that risky, but they're risky based upon your familiarity with how life is supposed to happen. So um, with that said, so me moving throughout my career has been one of, uh, you know, I'm not really attached to anything. I'm adopted. Um, I have a very, very small family. My mom passed away when I was in college. I'm sorry. So it was just like, just keep it moving. And for me, I knew I had made a promise to myself when I graduated high school and left Newark was that. My upbringing as a child is a direct result of the adults that were in my life that were responsible for me. Whether they rose to occasion or not, that's on them to own. That's not something I need to bear. But now that I'm an adult, I have a responsibility over my life to make it what I want it to be. Of course. And that I that was a promise I made to myself that I'm going to like push the limits and see like how far I can go. So there's still more stuff after, first of all, even yes. if you stopped at like, you yes. know, Anheuser-Busch, your resume is crazy. Yes. But they then. They agreed to. And that's where there was a moment. What happened? <laughs> so um, just killing it. And they're just like, oh, this is plant manager. Like, I guess that's like the goal is to like run a plant. And when you think about it, there's only 13 in the system. Mm-hmm. And folks are like, yeah, she's we're going to put her on the path and we're going to make sure that she wins and runs a plant. And I'm like, no, nah, come like i just came to try this out like Mm -hmm. one i don't drink alcohol (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um i'm just using my talents what was great about it was that i was able to work at the brewery within my community um but i'm really not trying to run Mm -hmm. a plant and it was um i think they were surprised at my pushback but once again it was like this is my life you can't tell me you know you can introduce to me the idea and the opportunity and say is this something you would like to do but it was really like management's Feelings were hurt when I said, no, I'm good on that. Um, yeah, and it was just like. Sucks. And then I guess when you learn is that when people are offering you something and they feel like um, this is like the best thing you could get and you reject them, then it's a personal rejection. And I was feeling yeah. that within my company. Like, oh, all right, you good? You think you were like winning? Like, do that all by yourself. Mm-hmm. But God always is in control like he really is. Once again, because I treated my union um, team as my teammates, um, we were having a team meeting. Senior VP, we're right across from the airport. Senior VP, uh, Anheuser Bush at the time was headquartered in um, St. Louis. They still are now, but they're really headquartered in New York City now after the, um, the merger. Um, his flight was delayed. He didn't want to stay in the airport. Came over to the um, brewery to just check it out. Sat in on my meeting. At the end of my meeting, he was like, that was great. I have a job for you. And I'm like, what's up? And mm. he, once again, I was like, who's telling me what I got to do, or what they need to do? And he was like, we have like this great opportunity. Um, we want to automate a plant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And um, what I didn't know was that they wanted to do it now. And we had that conversation, and within a month, I was gone. Said bye to Jersey and went to St. Louis. And that takes that takes like that takes like balls to to kind of just pick up and leave. What 
What were you thinking? Because up to that point, you only lived in Jersey, right? I only lived in Jersey. I mean, I studied abroad and lived in Australia for like nine months. That was gangster. Just random. So, <laughs> yeah, I lived so in Australia. Random. Like, it's <laughs> such a random place to live and go to school. Yeah, you know, I was in Australia I chose for a little the, bit. I didn't know. I chose, chose the hardest university. People study abroad. They go and take like, you know, crazy, you know, like Europe easy classes. Yeah. I'm straight up doing engineering at their number one university in Melbourne. And even the folks were just like, why did you just come and do like urban design or something? Like, why are you like trying to do? And I'm just like, I'm just trying to be great. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is my life. But um, that was the farthest. I mean, go other. That's pretty far. That's pretty far. That's pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> I was only supposed to be there for like one semester. It turned around. I was like, you know, I'm going to stick around for a minute. Um, also, my mom had died. And I was like, you know, there's no reason to keep brushing back. Yeah. So like nothing. Um, but yeah, picked up, went to St. Louis. I just, I think I like researched St. Louis. I saw that it was like 40% African-American. That was the only number thing that mattered. I was like, oh, they got black people there. We're cool. Yeah. Didn't even like stay in St. Louis all that long. Wow. So you just picked up and left without a second thought? It, there was left. no like... No, there was nothing, no one to like check in with. Well, that's not true. I had a boyfriend at the time. So yeah. that was a very interesting situation. you right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it surprised everyone mm. because... I looked at it the same way that you're presenting is that, yo, I'm going to just move. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend was like, we have a whole relationship. What are you yeah. talking about? He wound up coming. It was like oh, six months okay, later. Okay, cool. Because I was like, That wasn't the decision, though. No. Cool. It was like, but <laughs> I, things you learn, like, right? Like, I just learned, cool. yeah. learned a lot. I wasn't yeah. trying to hurt feelings, but it was just like, like, uh, I'm young yeah. and this is like life. But it was, it was great. Got to St. Louis and then my boss was like, well, the plant's in L.A. <laughs> so I moved all my stuff to St. Louis and he was like, but you got to go to L.A. So I was in St. Louis for like a month and then moved to L.A. for like a year and a half. Damn. Um, did yeah. they pay for your moving cost? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, they did. They oh, okay. Did. It was a, but didn't tell me. It was so crazy. I had yeah. packed up my house. I bought a house in Linden. I had packed up my house. And then the movers came and they was like, you know, we could have did this for you, right? I'm like, stop playing. Mm. You don't know. Then ever since then, it was like, oh, now I know. Don't move anything. Like, they literally like wrap up. Pack and up and everything. do everything for you. Yeah. So they paid up everything. L.A. was great. Like, the it was the same type of thing the united united workforce was they felt threatened they were like you're gonna bring it then mind you this is 10 years ago we're automating a plan today it wouldn't be anything right like you go to self-checkout it's not a thing you have people there that's just like you're automating a plant you're getting rid of my job mm-hmm. and the buffer between senior management and those folks were me because i was coming from a working class neighborhood and i was like one the language has to be right we're not replacing jobs like we're not eliminating jobs and um and it wasn't really just about changing the language, but being truthful to that. And it was more about, no, we're making this easier for you so that you can have the flexibility to do other things within the corporation. We just don't want you to be a laborer. Mm-hmm. We'll bring in the automation to do the laboring, and then you can use other skill sets in order to advance within the company. And um, that was just a really, really great transformative. It was It was really great. Really, really great. Um, came in under budget. Senior management loved that. Um, worked crazy though. I was working 18 hour days. Um, it was insane. Um, but I felt great about it at the end. The company felt great about it at the end. Um, I don't think they really adopted the technology until years later. Now you're, and I want to touch on something, your, your work ethic, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm obsessive about work myself to my detriment sometimes to work 18 hour days. And I would I would assume that mm. this is something you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that? Well, you're working off of adrenaline as a young person. So yeah. I picked up very bad habits that are affecting me now as an older adult. Not older, like I'm old, but mm. um, 
because you have to create some sort of regimen. So I wasn't working out. I wasn't eating properly. I would just go to work, bang it out, and come out, and then and then sleep. And that you could do that for some years. And then after a while, it creeps start creep creeping up on you. Like you know, not having a really good sleep schedule just jacks you up in so many different ways. So the the detriment is that being very good at something. Um, you become an autopilot at it. Like I'm, I'm feeling it now. Like working at the city, like I'm very good at certain things, and it's a skill set, or at least what I'm adding value to. Before I was there, it wasn't getting done, right? So everyone else is thinking like, oh, this is great, this is magical, and for me, I know it's a bad habit because I'm not building other muscles. It's like doing legs all the time, mm. and then when it's time to do something with your core, you're like, yo, what's up? Did you ever? Uh- <laughs> That M. Night Shyamalan movie, the minute you said that, um, I think it was like Lady in the Lake or something, where the dude was only working out one arm. <laughs> so, like, he had this, like, really crazy arm that was, like, huge, but then his other arm was, like, regular size. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, the, the only thing I did have that was a great routine for me was that I know I can't go, like, three months without a vacay. Okay. I will bug out. Like you. Were you just in Bali or something? Yeah. It looked crazy. You made me want to go. <laughs> I did a mini sabbatical because um, I know my limits. And I had went literally 13 months without a vacation. So I was brought on to be the CEO of the city at the same time. In that time, within six months of me, no, a year within me being brought on, our deputy mayor for economic development decided to retire. Mm-hmm. My mayor, our mayor knows that, you know, that's my background, wanted me to, you know, take over this transition while we did a national search. And, you know, I was really talking to him. I was like, do you really want me to do it? Am I supposed to be a figure? He was like, no, I need you to do this. He was like, our portfolio is, like, large. We can't lose this. Um, And I was doing both jobs at the same time. Did you get a raise? No, I didn't get a raise. Jesus. I didn't get it. Well, it's government, you know? Team player. You're a team player, man. (laughs) So did both jobs at the same time. Not just jobs because EHD had to be, like, transformed. Like, I'm an engineer at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. I'm going to evaluate, see where the gaps are understand assess where the strengths are and then totally like revamp so um at the end of the day i said you know basically you got a mini mckinsey in me Mm -hmm. i'm going in you know to different departments and just doing strategic advisory work and then sometimes you just gotta like you know roll up the sleeves and just say we're gonna like transform you know with the help of everyone there i can't do it necessarily do myself but you're a monster bro yeah, well, I'm going to accept that now. Before I was just like, oh, this is just me. Like, you know, this is what happens. And people are just no. like, but who you are is like very rare. A lot of times, and again, like, you know, I I, I have personal relationships. I have family. Like, you know, every once in a while, my mother would call me and be like, yeah, I haven't seen you. And it was like, it's like, <laughs> I'm so obsessive. Like, when I'm in the middle of doing something, I just lock on and then time kind of fades away. And then I, I realize like, oh, I, I haven't eaten since mm. like yesterday. Yeah. And then. I mean, unhealthy habits, of course. Unhealthy habits, yeah. But, like, you know, a lot of people look at it like, dude, like, why, like, you should have a life and so on and so forth. This, I mean, work relaxes me, though, which Mm -hmm. is weird. Mm -hmm. Working hard relaxes me, whereas I'm, I'm kind of fucked up in the head now where I'm, when I'm on vacation, all I can think about is work. Oh, see, that's bad. Yeah. That's bad. I I mean, I used to think that that. that meant passion, but it's Mm -hmm. not. Like, you gotta, understand i mean it really is a lack of discipline mm-hmm. um okay t- talk to me about that yeah i mean i struggle like i struggle because I, I i know i'm not disciplined like to not go to sleep at the same time every night is just like unacceptable like, but i thought of it as the opposite i thought working hard meant i was super disciplined and i was just you know what i mean mm-hmm. so now you're saying 
not consistently because I've been paying Blink Fitness for for months. <laughs> it's free money they're getting from me. I haven't gone. Um and I guess that's a lack of discipline, not eating properly, not working well, out. It's very clear what the end goal is. Like if you don't sleep well and you don't eat well, what do what do we think is gonna happen to ourselves? I'm gonna be very sleepy and hungry. <laughs> You're gonna hit a wall yeah. like pretty soon and Really, the, per- the people that are going to feel the ramifications is directly you and directly your family, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about, like, so when we think about The Rock, like, even he says he has his cheat days. He goes, like, insane. He He's a other creature. He's not even, I don't even consider him human <laughs> because I'm like, how the fuck do you shoot a TV show, two movies, and still have time to hang out with your family? And, like, I don't, I don't know how he does discipline. it. What? And he, he said, these are the things... That are important to me. It doesn't mean that like work is not important, but my mm-hmm. family is important. And you just kind of figure it out. Um, he has like a like I I heard that like wherever he goes, there's like a gym set up mm-hmm. for him. Like, mm-hmm. well, his moneymaker is his body yeah. too, right? Like, yeah, you know. he's a he's a I don't even know what he is, man. But I'm not perfectly like all the way there yet, but I'm getting better at it. Like, okay. um, so and and I know for the things that I did appreciate when I didn't have them, it just made me not a great as best the person i wanted to be okay when i don't go on vacation or get a break i become irritable um and that's not that's not good for anybody nobody wants to meet the number streets natasha like let's just keep it (laughs) mike i'm curious (laughs) i'm curious now but i i I see your point so it just um doesn't work well for me and then just having a good you know friend network that Mm -hmm. i'm really not talking about work but we are talking about ideas um and not necessarily about like the day-to-day and i always knew that what's important to me so i i had somebody tell me once that people don't find me fun as Mars over there people don't find like people don't like to have me around sometimes because all i talk about is work and i'm just like but what is there what else is there for us to talk about like, what do you want me to talk? Like, you want to talk about TV shows? Or like, what do you want to talk about? Like, I think there's different types of friends. I learned mm-hmm. that. Like, mm-hmm. later on, it was different types of friends. I think, for me, I would say that life has been, for a large part of my adult life, has still been lonely because I have done so many things as a young person that some of my friends are just accomplishing now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to one, from how much money I was making to traveling to I have employees, you know, like... Mm-hmm. People, <laughs> humble, humble brag. Bars. Never, but no, but no, no, I never talked about it. But no, no, like... no brag. No, t- no, no. Talk about it. I no, I appreciate it. I appreciate strong. Like first of all, you as a, I feel like as a black woman, there statistically, if you're looking at the numbers, um, I think um, black women are the most like educated or so yeah. on and so forth. When you look at budgets, and entrepreneurism. Yeah, um, uh, startups by black women, like, you know, statistically are generally more, like, you know, successful and they, they become profitable faster and, like, all these numbers. And this isn't, like, public knowledge. No one's talking about it. When you're looking at resources that are allocated for African American, it's, it's like less than 1% or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you should sort of big yourself up, like, or, like, no one will know. That is, I am, yeah. yes, yes. The year of 2020 is about people knowing. Yeah. So it was so Bars. crazy when you were like, come in and let, let's have a conversation. I was like, oh, yeah. That's perfect. I think stuff like Instagram created a situation where it's like, well, if you didn't post on Instagram, did it happen? <laughs> did it Did it really happen? Like, 
You should talk about it. You should be like part of you, your accomplishments. I'm having like a, a um, I guess, creating some sep- separation, ex- having separation anxiety with like mm. social media because it's taking on a different um, goal that I want to accomplish with it. You know, mm. I've always been on social media. What's as crazy is that when you laugh, when I was laughing, when you said, oh, I, I know you through IG, mm-hmm. is that that's how... I meet most people on the street. They're like, oh, I follow you on social media. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a big, huge follower account. Um, but even when Facebook was a thing, if it's still a thing, um, that was the same thing. But both of those platforms have just been my diaries. They're, yeah. they're, I document them for my sake, not necessarily for anyone else's sake. Um, IG is more tricky for me because people could follow you and you don't follow them back and you have no idea who they are. Facebook, yeah. even though I have tons of followers or it has to be like mutual to some group. yeah mutual mm-hmm. but i i i really know all those people in real life yeah. so you know i guess the most climatic issue that's ever happened was uh the um, the election of donald trump but even in that moment uh, leading up to the election there were so many heated debates on my page um and now i guess if people were to like look at it they would think of that as like shady or you know trolling but those were conversations with people that I really know. Yeah. Um, and therefore, we're not going to be enemies at the end of the day. IG, also, I think because people took that, what they knew of me from that platform and tried to take it to IG, people want to go back and forth with you mm-hmm. <laughs> on Instagram. And I'm just like, no, like, just, can we meet up? Because um, mm-hmm. I need the, <laughs> we need clarification on, yeah. like, why are you going so hard about this? Um, so it's very interesting that I underestimate um, I guess what I'm pushing out on social media um, and how it affects people. Um, even my niece, like she was saying something, I guess she did something at school and she was like, yeah, my um, aunt is like the deputy mayor of Newark. And I was like, you telling people that? She was like, well, it's true. I was like, yeah, it is true. I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think there's a, um, there's this thing um, called, and I think African-Americans like sort of struggle with it. And it's called like a imposter syndrome mm. where, Sometimes I'm doing things, and then when I sit back and look at it, I almost feel like that's not me. Yeah. So like I'll I'll do like really cool things or whatever, and like people will call me up and they're like, "Yo, um, we saw this, and this company wants to work with you." And I'm like, "Like why? (laughs) I'm just you know I'm just like some like some kid from aren't like I don't." Like, I'm almost like flabbergasted. Like when people say yes, like I'll pitch something and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm re- I'm ready for the no, and they're like, oh, we'd love to. I'm like, wait, 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 really? Yeah, yeah. Like for real? Like, like seriously? Like you're yeah. gonna you're gonna pay me to do this? The the VMA situation that was a a product activation disguised as a party. Great job. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, and we, we've been playing around with branded stuff and making it feel organic because we, we feel like ads don't really work. Yeah. Well, I was excited for you in that project because like I said, I fundamentally believe that competition breeds success. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is going to be, he's doing this, it's going to be successful. And then other people are going to want to know like why, you know, you're getting more assistance or people are matching dollars. And I was like, Mm. yeah, you know, dollars are are attracted to other dollars. Like that's just the way it works. So um, I was excited about it. The the people at the rubber treat were thrilled. They, um, because we, we played around with the way that I don't think you, you were able to make it. I came with the very, because I actually went to the VMAs. Okay. So I came after the VMAs. So um, the whole thing was built around, we, we had this partnership um, with, and we, we still do um, 
with um one more audio mm-hmm. and they're expanding into the states and they want to do some marketing stuff and so on and so mm-hmm. forth great headphone brand matter of fact what i'm going to do is um i'm going to get you a pair so you can check it out and everything <laughs> but um we we were figuring things out with them and we were like marketing wise we're doing something with the vmas it'd be really cool to do uh, a product activation there but we're going to make it like a party People are going to be sort of playing around and we're going to market to them. and We're going to do all this, but they're not going to realize it. They're just going to be having a good time. And then afterwards, people are going to be like, by the way, that um, pair of headphones that was in the suite, like, where do I buy that yeah. kind of deal? Yeah. And it worked out. One more was really happy with um, the results, the robbery. Everybody walked away really, really happy with what happened. And um, we're going to turn around and sort of develop that into like a case study to sort of pitch to, to other brands. So Speak the language. Really, love yeah. this. Love this. Yeah. Love so this. we're we're really happy with that. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff happening in Newark. Awesome. Yeah, always. You should brag more on social media. <laughs> I am. Well, you can partly help me. So yeah. I'm definitely looking for a team mm-hmm. um, because I can't do it by myself. Like literally, we're running a city here. Um, and I was trying to do some things last year and they never got accomplished because, you know, water stuff popped off. Um, I was the lead behind all the strategy behind that. Um, and even saying those things like first CEO of Newark, you know, um, millennial deputy mayor, uh, you know, leading the water strategy, things I had to sit back and say, and that was the whole point of going to Bali because it was like a mini sabbatical for me because I needed to like sit back and like. What do you need right now? Like just in, in life, what do you what do you feel like you need right now? Um, I really want to tap into more of a creative space. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal after my government stint, this is lovely to so like work for the mayor. It's not over, but mm-hmm. um, I came because he asked me to. It wasn't like I was trying to like work for local government. I was very good being an investment banker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I want to tap into the, um, go back into, what's crazy is that full circle moment, right? I became an industrial engineer because I wanted to work for the MBA. Um, went and did automation. I want to focus more back on sports entertainment um, industry. Awesome. Taking the same skill set, just being in a, being a different industry. So even when people say like, oh, you're in government. Yeah, I'm in the government industry doing the same thing. Strategic advisory work for local government. But that's I'm not a government person. I'm not going to be running for election. I'm not trying to be somebody's like the governor's chief of staff or anything like that. Mm. Like It's a great experience. So what I mean now is that... Um, I think I need more people to know who I am. Mm. I want to be in sports and entertainment, and I also want to be a C-suite executive. That just doesn't happen just because. There's lots of talented people out here, um, and if people don't know who you are and how that aligns, then we need to, to make that happen. So mm. I've never been um, a person that you know boasted about a lot of things. Even my social media presence is more about talking about policies and ideas mm-hmm. and moving culture forward and moving communities forward but it was never you know you can't even if you go on my social media now you can't say like oh she's this mm-hmm. you know yeah i had to do a little bit of yeah digging, but like but it should be easier yeah. for people to know like um i know. think there's a way to communicate what you've done and sort of just be like proud of your accomplishments yeah. and project that without sort of be off-putting yeah. or braggadocious or whatever. I learned the hard way. I didn't realize how much it affected me until I got put on a list um, of New Jerseyans, like influences of color. Very grateful That's of dope. It. Congratulations. And then, thank you. And then like this top like millennials and politics list. 
But the bio for the millennial politics list was like not my bio. Like when I read it, I knew who they were talking about. It was not me. It was my picture. And then they said something like, I'm an urban design person or urban planner. And I'm like, no, I'm a banker that's done $5 billion of transactions. Oh, talk like, about it. And my mom was like, my grandma was like very upset. She was like, how many kids from the projects are like, did what you did? And this is, you know, when you mm -hmm. get older, you can say whatever you want to say. Yeah. She was like, and this is the write-up? She was like, why don't people know who you are, Natasha? And I'm just like, because I'm not doing a good job of letting people know. Like, and why would one think that someone that's done billion dollars of transactions is working for local government? That's never happened before. And and we, like, I feel like we're low-key trained to, like, dumb down our accomplishments mm -hmm. to make other people feel better. Because, like, I don't want to talk about what I've done because it might make you feel insecure yes. and I don't want to make you and feel bad. To, so Yeah, we're trying to be yeah. collaborators here and trying to move something forward. This is not my stuff. This is yeah. the mayor's stuff. Like, right? you know, <laughs> so, so now, like, you know, my thing is, like, you know, Fuck the whole, like, super <laughs> humble thing. And I think it's worse to be fake humble than, like, than anything else. I'm, if you feel bad about it, then, like, maybe I'm talking to the wrong person. Like, if people feel bad when you're telling them what you're doing and what your aspirations are and all this other stuff, these are not the people to be having the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I, it made me feel a certain way. When she, when she, when one, I saw the disappointment in her eyes, I was like, mm -hmm. you know, there's only but so many more moments that my... 76-year-old grandmother is going to be able to take experience with me. Mm -hmm. I don't want her ever feel disappointed about mm -hmm. the things that I'm doing. And what um, I underestimate is that my family takes great pride in me. You know, yeah. We're just moving <laughs> and doing what we're doing. And I'm not knowing that my niece is doing presentations on me. And who in you're her, inspiring. In and her who, class, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And she's talking to her peers about like her aunt that's doing like all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, I wake up every morning and I go about my day and God blesses me and I'm happy for that. And um, not really understanding like. But you impact. showed her that it's it's possible. She yeah. has a reference point now. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I just I I just need a bigger, a better, not a better, because I don't have a team now. I've been doing everything mm -hmm. like really by myself, and I know that that's not gonna. We're gonna be, talk. Yeah. We're gonna talk. And that was one of the things um, that Biggs, you know, is really big about. He was like, you know, you're just not gonna be able to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you're just not. Like you have to um, have a team. More importantly, just remember. Which was what we bonded on because fundamentally I believe the same thing is that your team should be your family. He was like, if you mm -hmm. can't, like, um, this relationship should be more about this transaction. It should be really about, like, can we see this, you know, through the end? Um, because both, you know, he has different, you know, have experienced the same thing just different ways. You can have it today and not have it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And how we get it, we gain it again, bigger and better, is with the people that are surrounded by you. He's a That's, testimony to that. Yeah, look at of his course. Life. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, he's he's another person that I, like his life has been fascinating, and I'm I'm really into how he sort of like almost, I don't want to say reinvented himself, but sort of rebranded himself away from like the Rockefeller history, but mm -hmm. still has this really cool like that was like, and I'm like a huge rap nerd, so I think it's like I'm. Well, I'm, I'm not, sure. so yeah. I thought that was going to end our friendship oh. because I told him I was like I can't quote. He probably prefers it. I could. I told him I was like, I can't quote a thing, sir. Like I didn't realize who he was until while we followed each other on social media. I'm not on people's pages like that. Like if mm -hmm. I have your real phone number <laughs> and we're meeting up in real life, why am I on your social media? Like go, you know, about anything. But so just so happened that I had like was on his page one day, and I was like, why do you have ten thousand likes on your post? Mm -hmm. And then I was like at uh, lunch with my friend. I was like, he has ten thousand. What, what's going on? She was like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, well. I mean, not like, what do you mean? And then she like broke it down to me. And I had to like 
felt like I had to apologize to him. He was offended. Mm-hmm. I was apologizing. He was like, that's not what it is. Mm. And then I felt um, like beholden. I was like, oh, well, can you be my mentor? And he's like, we've been like, yeah, you know, talking, yeah. what are you talking about? And what's great about him that I told him about later, because I didn't really know, was that when he meets other people, like I'll meet someone and I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, I heard about you. Like, you know, big. That's dope. And That's dope. I'm like, what? And he's like, why would I not? So the same thing I'm having a problem with promoting my own thing. self, he's been doing on his own for me. I think a big thing too is people that bring your name up when you're not in the room yeah. or sort of introduce the, the idea of you when you're not around is, is a powerful thing. And nine times out of 10, most of those people for me have been <laughs> full circle <laughs> white people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I shout mean, out to all my Caucasian well, brothers and sisters. Well, foundation of it is all mm-hmm. this courage, and yeah. an element of that is more 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 courage too, right? Like you just have to have the ability to know that you amplifying someone else is not being a disservice to yourself. Um, so, um, and I, I got the signal from Amar that we've we've been talking for like an hour now. Oh, so I'm just giving you a heads up because I don't want to eat up your days like one thirty or something. No like worries. That. So, as far as and I'm really enjoying this conversation. As far as like, and we touched on the whole personal life thing. Working hard has been to the detriment to a lot of my personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Part of me is sort of like, ah, eh, I don't care. Like, you know, it is what it is. If someone in my life doesn't get that this is something I have to do or I'm going to like lose it, it's almost like I... It's an addiction, I guess, like, or whatever, which mm-hmm. has a negative connotation, but I have to do this or I'm going to lose my mind. And the people that get it stick around, the people that don't kind of like, you know, yeah. fade away or whatever. How do you maintain a balance with friends and family and all that uh, with like your, your work schedule or your need to accomplish this thing or build this thing? Oh, it's interesting you see that because I realized it just goes through transitions. So you gave this... Um a figurative, uh, this uh, illusory moment where Snoop was telling about talking about gaps, right? Yeah. And I use this. What was crazy is that I use the same type of logic, and it's all mm-hmm. about uh, a sense and descent, but it's not um, uh, singular. Like you're always reaching a different altitude. Um, so it's, um, when you get to the next altitude, you're going to plateau because mm-hmm. you're still learning. You're creating a, a knowing, a, um, uh, building a different muscle. Um, you don't know it all. You feel overwhelmed. And then you keep working at it. And then you ascend again. But it's always at a different height. So with that said, my friendship circle, I realize, changes at every level, different level of altitude that I go. Um, is there one friendship that's sort of maintained throughout? Or is just every every cycle you kind of just... Um, I have probably three friends that stay the same throughout. So one person from my days at Anheuser-Busch and then two people from law school. But that's that's a lot to me. Three people? Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's, it's you know, it is what it is. Um, I think uh, I had a moment and I was going through a descent off of an ascent. And uh, Anthony Redain had committed suicide. And it was like within a whole month's cycle. I think the owner was the CEO, Case Spade. Um, yeah, Case Spade. She had committed suicide. It was just yeah. like a lot going on. I was like, um, I was venting to one of my friends from law school. And I was like, what happens if they just needed six months? Like to just say, I'm out. I'm not dealing with no to, one. Yeah. And I think it was the moment where I was like probably going into like my eighth month and like no vacation. I told you like mm-hmm. routinely I go for six months. And... 
To just unplug and just to unplug. And my friend, I guess she heard something that I was trying to say, even though I didn't think I was trying to say it. You know, it's just consciously. She was like, "If you need to chill for six months, she was like, you can always come and like live with me." Mm-hmm. She was like, "Just remember that." She was like, "No questions. That like, just let me know where to leave the key, and we're good." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "And that's the type of friendships that I'm trying to traverse." It wasn't necessarily like oh let's talk this through are you going through something how are you gonna pay your bills what about your student loans all this other Man, stuff was just i don't like, know if i have friends like that yo can i live with you for six months <laughs> right, i don't i don't think i have those relationships but it like you know anything we're dating is like the jersey no. guy right like that hit like a lot it, of people it hurt hard. me because he was a goal of mine like mine too to have a meal with him was like on my to-do and it, it hurt yeah so it's crazy is that it, it wasn't necessarily to have a meal with Anthony Bourdain, but the way... So he took his passion and put it on a platform where you're really talking about interpersonal ideas and really moving culture forward through food. Mm-hmm. Um, and an element of that was politics, economic distress. I mean, he went and talked about the restaurant tour business in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. a post-industrial city that's trying to work its way out of where it used to be and transform itself into something new in this element of automation, right? And basically, you're talking about gentrification. But if you said that, you'd be like, well, Anthony Bernanke is talking about that. But the way he was able to articulate it through food, it was just like, that's who I want to be. Like, I'm really, you know, trying to have that conversation. Like, I don't want to talk about real estate and economic development straight out. Like, mm-hmm. I want to have a conversation because it's all human connected. Let's have a conversation about humans, but how that's affected by tech and automation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this idea of, like, cities progressing and potentially leaving people behind. Um, so it just hurt because also he has a way of like speaking that I yeah. totally relate to. Like it's just it's in your face. It's not meant to hurt your feelings. Did you check out the episode with uh, President Obama where they sat yes. down and yeah, that was yeah. I'm a I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. So yeah. with that said, I real I acknowledge the fact that you know friends can't go with you the whole time. Um, and then for the for that moment, I respect friends for different reasons. Like I have a group of friends that I just party with and that's all we're going to do. And it's not the same. Like the group of friends I party with, I can't talk to them about some complex thing that's happened in my life. Mm-hmm. It took me, I felt hurt at that for at that when I realized it, but now that I accept it, I was like, it is what it is. Like um, some people, they just don't have the capability or the capacity from a work standpoint or, you know, maybe like intellect or emotional standpoint to be able to give you that. So one, you need to acknowledge what is it you, you ask me. What do I need, right? Mm-hmm. But in all aspects of our lives, we should be understanding or have some uh, ability to articulate what is it that we need, and then who. So can at that point, aren't you kind of like compartmentalizing your friends, where it's like, okay, you're you're my you're part you're my party friends, and you're my you're my work friends, and I kind of always thought of friendship as just across the board. But then you get disappointed when people don't fulfill True. your needs, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not telling them that they're just not the they're just the party person. But I think that also they would be appreciative of the fact that it's only when we're having brunches and stuff like that that I get invited and mm-hmm. stuff. You're not going to get – I don't think people's feelings are hurt if I'm at the Black Enterprise panel on women leadership and they're not there. Okay. It's I, like I we don't get point. down like that, yeah. you know? Like you never expressed to me that that mm-hmm. was your thing. And one, we're not going to be taking up spaces just to take up spaces. Like mm-hmm. just – you know. That's not cool. Because I mean, I'm not you're taking a you. seat. Yeah, I'm you're taking gonna... a seat from someone who might have actually wanted to yeah. or got something out of it. Yeah, but I think uh, the reverse is, you know, the most difficult part is that when you're presenting it to someone as if they're, you know, friends and lifelong friends are just different, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they were with you for a lifetime, but 
you know, there are people that know that you're going to be the godparents to my child and you're going to be in my wedding. And mm-hmm. for the same reason, I know there's a friend that says, Natasha, if you got to take six months off, no questions asked, here's the key. I have none of those. Yeah. I have, I have, I have zero of those. Well, I'm blessed. I mean, yeah. I just yeah, I'm thankful this, for the blessing. Yeah, I don't know if that's, it's like that's universal. Beautiful. But. I, don't, I don't even think I have family that will let me do that. Yeah. yeah. The flip side is like the dating part is like crazy difficult, but I also understand mm-hmm. that too. I think people are threatened by strong women like i had a conversation with um uh and i'm not gonna call him a friend because he's not he's, he's a guy i occasionally have conversations yeah. with and so on and so forth he's not a friend of mine but we're, we're friendly and he's he's an associate or just somebody i know and we're having a conversation and he expressed to me that his last relationship didn't work out because he found it very difficult to sort of maintain his relationship with his girlfriend who mm-hmm. was increasingly successful. And again, it was one of those situations where they started off here, they went to school together, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. She got a job, she got a promotion, then she got another promotion, then she got another promotion. And now they're being invited to like corporate parties where she's the center of attention and he's kind of like an accessory. And he has he had difficulty yeah. with that. And he admitted that, you know, he wasn't man enough to to sort mm-hmm. of maintain that. And it was cool that he was that self-aware but it it becomes hard for women because i think men have this definition of being a man and outside of that they don't know who they are yeah i can see that um which isn't really helpful at all but yeah i think that that type of dynamic would manifest itself in many ways in more than ways than just that like i don't think it's even really uh, like just dating a strong woman i think that even that person if they had friends also that were succeeding at a quicker pace than they perceive that they should all be moving mm-hmm. that that would have manifested itself in that way too um, right it's just yeah. easier to dial back from friends than it is to dial back from your like significant other but i i think also Men with other men, it's easier to deal with because you're a guy. Yeah, you're a guy. Like, you know, yeah. even though we're competitive, it's not my girl. You know, it's sort of like if I'm in a relationship, I can't get beat up in front of my girl. There's certain things that just can't happen. <laughs> and certain like I can't be vulnerable in that way. Yeah in front of you because i need you to look at me a certain way or i need to be perceived as a man by you so if you're the breadwinner that sort of takes a notch to a degree and this is the perception i'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's me Mm -hmm. because if oprah pulled up i'm (laughs) i'm in there (laughs) i'm trying to think and reflect and apply this to my relationships i don't because you have a very intimidating resume but i don't i mean when we meet i'm not telling you that you know, okay, I I don't know if you remember the first time you met me. We met at a, a, a event, right? Yeah, it was an event. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who you are, uh-huh. but when you walked in, I'm very good at reading people. I have a sales background, mm-hmm. and I caught a vibe from you, and I'm like, yo, she do something. Like, who's that? <laughs> in all seriousness, like, it was a bunch of people, and you walked in, and I was just like, who's that? Like, she, like there's some type of vibe there. She does something. And I think people pick up on that. You're very strong. You like, you know, like you you have firm handshake. You make eye contact, and I feel like that's like you know yeah. a corporate thing. Guys are intimidated by that, and they they catch that vibe. And maybe you go on a date, and then you know you little by little you reveal the resume. I'm just guessing. 
I might be completely off. Well, with social media the way it is, people will just Google you. That mm-hmm. that annoys me a lot because I don't do it to other people. I'm just like, well, well clearly I, I don't, right? Like, yeah, but that's dope. <laughs> Meeting people and they like running multi-million dollar organizations. I don't know who the hell they are. But um, I just feel like it should just be like a, a person-to-person thing. I will say that I guess it's the flip side. I get annoyed and what's the tendency now is that I meet people and they feel like that um, I'm there. They want to date me, but they really want me to like consult and manage their career. Like people are taking this power couple thing way too far. I was just thinking that like, though. It's crazy. You don't you don't like the whole power couple dynamic thing? I think people focus too much on the power and not the couple part. Like the power is just a reflection yeah. of like who you are and what you're bringing to the table right now that just gets amplified because two people are on the same page and care for one another and going to make sure that they have each other's back, right? Hmm. I meet people that are just like, well, I got this idea. Can you help me? Well, I thought you asked me out on a date. On a date. Like, what are we doing? I'll never forget this guy asked me out on a date. We met up and he was um, pitching me to help him get on this board of an organization that I was like helping manage. Mm-hmm. And I was I'm like, sir, are you for real? Like, we can't, you got to pick which one you want. I'm not going to say I'm going to block your situation. I'm all about, like, helping people move forward. But we're never going to blur the lines. And then I I think it was, it's kind of shady that you invite me on a date because I'm in one mode. And then when I get there, it's kind of like you kind of fucked up my whole vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was one guy who was like, oh, it's great that you used to be an investment banker that helped me in my career. But that was, like, his pitch to, like, date. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this works. And... I get it. I mean, I think that, you know, was it like the two income household is mm-hmm. better and that's how you progress and things of that sort, yeah. but it just doesn't happen that way. And fundamentally, there's something that, you know, you have to agree on and believe in and, and that type of thing. Stop me and disagree at any point in time, right? Lord have mercy. Sounds like we're in. about to jump into uh, some like intense conversation here. St- jump me and stop me at any time. I feel like as women, there are conversations that are had with with you that aren't had with with men and i'm just saying from a black perspective in terms of for example as a woman i think it's sort of encouraged to be like hey you should look at what he brings to the table as far as can he look after you can he take care of you can he like you know because i i remember my dad having this conversation with my sister like what does he do like can he take care of like potentially if you guys have kids would he be able to take care of you and your family and so on and so forth and like is he a provider mm-hmm. kind of conversation whereas a guy no one was like hey you should make sure that she can like provide no one was just like i mean it's just like is she cute so what is the conver- oh that's the conversation it's like is she is she, is she cute like you know is like you know is she did she would she make like a good mo- oh, this is an old school conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. but would she make a good mo- like the conversation is But we carry that um, stuff on with us now yeah. so it's not necessarily it's that old because as as a as a man I've never looked at a woman's like economic position as like a as dating criteria oh i think with the with the, with us learning and learning more about the obamas mm-hmm. like it was a, to me it was an immediate shift in like my dating circle, dating network, when those two people came on the scene, mm-hmm. it was power couple after all, all that. No. And I guess also maybe going to uh, elitist type of law school, you know, they're just groomed for that. Uh, I remember my sister gave me a book. Um, it's a book. It's like a very older book um, about how um, you need to marry for wealth. That's what marriage was originally. Yeah. And um, only rich people used to be able to like, there was a whole dowry situation. Yeah. It was like a whole thing. Yeah. 
And she gave it to me, like, it was in law school. Because it was at that moment, I was like, this is weird. Like, you know, also because I was a non-traditional law student. Most people go right after college. I had hold a, had a whole career before I went to law school. So it was just like, I'm looking at these young individuals. <laughs> and it was just like, they're... And marriage is a business, too. That's a, that's a contract. I agree. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally agree. And um, there was this horror movie, like, that just came out. And like you know, I saw tidbits, but I wasn't able to I watch go it. From marriage to a horror movie, I'm gonna wait and see. Yeah, it's the congruence. movie. It's okay. it's called it's called a marriage story. It's on Netflix. <laughs> this is it's this horror film <laughs> where this 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 poor this poor man this victim his <laughs> his bank account was ravaged. Oh, I'm joking. Like it, it, it was, there are nuances there, but like you know, it's. Do you it's mean tough. the Tyler Perry Fatal Affair movie? No, no. I'm there's just a, sorry, it's a, like the same. There's a movie called Marriage Story <laughs> it was on a Netflix. Snow day on Saturday, so I had to like you know. Sit back you haven't there. seen it yet. Marriage Story on Netflix. No. It's basically about divorce. Got it. And Nicolas Cage was talking That's about horrible. it because he was gay. But he was basically like he thinks it should be required viewing because there were certain things that when I watched it I didn't realize about divorce, which is crazy. Why? Alright. It it is so, it was it was horrific. I, I hate to be a generalist. Yeah. So I want to choose my words wisely. Mm-hmm. But why do some men focus on that? Like divorce and then someone taking something from them, which is a weird thing for me to comprehend mm. when what we're having what like what people are bringing to the table is like not really it may be important to you, but on mm. the in the relative brand scheme of things, it's not like it wasn't really impactful. Like, okay, so here here are my thoughts, right? <laughs> like everybody talks about like divorce and marriage, like they're um, Jay Z or something. Like you're a billionaire and like you have something to lose. I think it's worse if you're not Jay Z. Okay. All right, so I'll put it to you like this: If I'm like Jay Z and or I'm some rich guy who's worth like five hundred million dollars, and you take half, yeah, it doesn't feel great, but I still have two hundred fifty million dollars. Okay. I'm all right. I'm not okay. starving. Okay. Yeah. Which is yeah. yeah. If I have forty grand and you take half, can are people really um, taking half though? Yeah. Okay, so maybe and I'm then, not talking to those people because yeah. I'm just like, who would go after half? Yeah, we're not talking like, about like if you if you're both like you know there's the whole poverty thing. If you're getting divorced and there's no assets or whatever, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like you know I'm this small business guy, you know I was able to. <sighs> I got like you know a mortgage okay. and you know we got a couple of cars. We're comfortable. We're not rich, but we're cool. I got a little, nice little savings. And then you come and you take half of my little forty that took me forever to save up. And then you go after the other half with lawyers' fees, alimony, child support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now okay. you're living in my house, driving my car, and I gotta live in a basement somewhere. This is this is horrible. Got it. I guess maybe I should talk to more people that like. Yeah. Our diversities and There's this happened. crazy thing I didn't know, and you have a law background, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with it. So they're going through the divorce, and she went and she consulted with all the great lawyers in the area because then he couldn't hire them because it would be a conflict of interest. Mm, no, you. I mean, it's only a conflict if you're under contract or whatever. No, but th- you could go there, like pay him a dollar to consult or whatever, or pay him whatever basic consultant fee. Hmm. And then, like, you can't, you, he can't, I can't use him now because there's a conflict of interest because you hired him in the past. Hour and a half. Okay. Cool. Got it. 
So you already hired him. Got it. And I can't I can't use him now. Got it. And then it's it's bad enough that you take half and you're most likely going to get the house. Hmm. But then you come after my other half through through child support. It's it's it's, it's crazy. I don't but, I don't mean a lot of divorces because I don't know a lot of married people, which okay. is like the uh-huh. focus of like what I'm mm-hmm. doing now. Like I had a deep, mm-hmm. crazy conversation with this attorney and um he's in Newark maybe. Mm-hmm. Um Calvin Souter. Um, but he was, we learned, I learned a lot from him because we were talking about like, he has children, how do they, both his wife work, how do they manage it? That's, those are the conversations I'm like trying to have with people. So he put me on to like a lot of information, like au pairs, daycares, daycare centers, like how much this yeah. stuff costs. Yeah. Au pairs, like, that's a money conversation though. See? Oh, that's a money conversation? Yeah, because okay. most people don't have a au pair, like most people don't even know what that is. <laughs> a nanny or whatever. That's, that's rich people conversation. That's like you gotta have some money. A maid, like No, it's not. And yeah. that's like that's what we need to normalize. So if that guy has if that guy has like I don't put his name out here and now we he's the elitist or something. Yeah. No, I'm I'm just saying oh au pair and au pair is a step up off of nanny. Like if you're like, Oh, I got a nanny, that's one thing. If you got an au pair, you this so is I feel like those money. conversations to be very more normalized because it's not that far reaching as we would like to think. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can go on these international vacays every year, then we can do that stuff. Just like we women should have more conversations about surrogacy and IVF and things of that sort because it is it is doable. And because they're so distant conversations and they seem to be um, conversations that only rich people should have, we don't put that into our family planning portion. All right. So we're going to go back to how you got rich friends. So, <laughs> so your baller friends have like, you know, these, these situations- Forget what you just and, said. Yeah. <laughs> Completely get because I like I, I would rather focus on your friends being rich. Because a au pair is like for people that don't know, is sort of like a nanny, but like almost like a step up. I feel like au pairs kind of live in. They and live in, but thing. they're here to gain um an education. Oh. So they have limited hours that they can work, actually. I think it's like mm. thirty five to forty hours. And mm. their major goal here is to get a degree. But you do pay them. Yes. So, so what's like the average rate of pay for like a, a au pair? I have researched this. So, mm-hmm. one, their residency cost is a uh, built-in value, mm-hmm. and then I think it's like on a month. No, their contract is like less than twenty Gs or something like that. Twenty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So, where- so, let me put it in perspective for you. So, my friend has a four-year-old okay. who's in private daycare. Okay. <laughs> Natasha, he pays like twenty five G's. I know for the private daycare. Yeah, like and still rushing home at like six to make sure his baby a lot, is home. A, I mean, Doing we're drop still, off. He was like, they don't provide food. Like he's like, he's, he's like, it's a paying, total situation. If you're paying someone twenty thousand dollars a year, I'm assuming that you're you're making anywhere from eighty to one hundred thousand dollars a year, oh. or as a couple, or you're bringing your your household income has to be like yeah six figures yeah because if you're someone that's making twenty five thousand dollars a year, you. You can't give somebody twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, but twenty thousand, like, so don't buy the like seven series Audi. It, but like, even Come with on, without that, if you're making twenty five, we if can you're drive a Prius 20, right now. Yeah, to the, understanding my child no, is taken care of. Yeah, uh, yeah, those people use free daycare. Like, I mean, it's a different conversation. <laughs> this is very, this is very elitist conversation. It's you're not having a very right elitist now. conversation. We need to normalize this conversation. Your average person doesn't know where Bali Bali is. I mean that's that's a money like I mean 
I'm not gonna like I, I think I'm we comfortable. Should, you know, yeah. Make sure uh, travel novel, mm. uh travel um what is it travel noir? Like travel noir, yeah. What did I hear about that? They're the black um people's uh um travel advisory or something like that. Yeah. Some tagline. They do a great great job. I was like, this is great. I love this. But you know, once again they're no- normalizing um travel. I, I wanna What is Avita's company? No madness. I haven't heard. I haven't checked that out. Oh, she's awesome. Really? I want to meet her. No, not yet. I want to meet her. I'm talking to her like she's my bestie or something. But we we should set that up. But I I took my kids to a builders dinner going on on January 30th. You should come. I'll come. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think no, we're we're out of town for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. We're out of town for the Super Bowl event. Awesome, like cross collateralization of like industries. I'm 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 super good. I think um, sidebar humble humble story. We were at CES last week, and I was talking to Wesley Snipes, mm-hmm. as one usually does. <laughs> as one does. <laughs> so I was talking to Wesley Snipes, and he asked me what I did, and I told him, I you know I connect things that usually don't connect. Ooh. And look at that pitch. Look at and that. And I told him that I make lemonade, <laughs> and I immediately changed my Instagram <laughs> to reflect. <laughs> To reflect this career change. And he dug it and he gave me his phone number. So See? I have Wesley Snipes' phone number. The question is, yeah. have you used the number? No, not yet. Because and I that am is what I'm super at. intimidated because I grew up watching his movies and he is he is Blade. So take it from me, a person that is like that, yeah. to not do that. I'm, I'm going to hit him up. I just feel like I have to have something to talk about. I don't want to just be like, yo, what's up? I know, I know, I know, right. I know. Maybe, so we yeah. should have some advice. Like, we should, like, hang out with, like, our other rich friends and yeah. ask them, like, I am do, not rich. I, they, I do not have an old pair. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not messing with old pair money right now. We should definitely, like, but talk to, like, other people to mm. ask them, like, those questions. Like, mm. because they're traversing a different world, too. They don't think that they're necessarily, they're, like, um, you know, mm. untouchables. Um and yeah, they're, and they're it's a weird out. space. Yeah, it's it is. It's, it's a definitely a weird space the, to the, have access and not use it. The the crazier space for me, and I I don't know if other African Americans been in a space where it's like when when I started building up and figuring things out, I always told myself if only I had this number, I would be okay. Like, so then you get to that number, and then you realize this is a dangerous like yeah. conversation. <laughs> and I'm not going into specifics. I'm not going to go into specifics. But then you realize I'm up here now and I'm hanging out with people that have like way more. I think um, Drake touched on this in the, the Rap Radar interview. And I like I, I could relate. Once you get there, you're like, yo, this isn't anything. I can't do <laughs> shit with this. Like I was like, oh, if only I had like, you know, $50,000, I could X, Y, and Z. And then you get it. And then it's like, you can't really, this mm-hmm. isn't really enough to do. Mm-hmm. To do much with, you can't really. Now nah, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't buy that. <laughs> you could do. You could do dumb stuff with it. You could go out and buy mad chains and like you know yeah, just yeah. reckless stuff. Yeah, but yeah. you can't really. I can't buy a building or you nah, know. Nah. I mean, probably I could probably leverage it. Yeah, I, I could. I could figure something out. The keyword sure. leverage. Yeah. Yeah, that, that uh, but you know, it's you know, I'm I'm in a weird place. I'm I'm trying to figure it out, but you know. Shout out to my sponsors. Hopefully y'all could <laughs> y'all could help me make that difference, man. Or we yeah. find some way to order to monetize yeah. the dream, right? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've been trying. I can't well, live with this guy. Job, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Studio's yeah. amazing. I I appreciate. It. We've been working really hard on it. Yeah. 
and I gotta I got pay like you know my mortgage because my friends won't let me live with them. <laughs> so look, I'd be quiet. I I don't need that much. She space, didn't say man. come live with me forever. Said, Six months is a big deal. That's but it's the ref. I mean, yeah. especially when you're operating on a, such a high level. I just felt in my head like, oh, that will probably what I need to like reset to recalibrate. Like, yeah, my mini sabbatical was only three weeks. I wanted to get more. Man, if, I was like, nah. <laughs> this is gonna be a corny question, mm-hmm. and we we gotta wrap up soon because yes. like you know we've been talking forever and everything. If if your if your life was like a book and you were you're gonna like name this chapter. What what would it be called? <laughs> could you have like told me that in the beginning so I could have thought about it a little bit? No, it only works if I do it on the fly. <laughs> if you thought about it, you're gonna have this prepared answer. Ooh, um, bravery of perfection. Mm. Why do you say that? Uh, you get it. I know I get in my head a lot. Politics will have you paranoid as a, you know, like no get out because mm. there's no rules. Um, you don't really know. You think there's you no know, rules. There's no rules. You don't know. You think you know who the power players are, but you really don't know. Like people will pop up at any moment and pull out, you know, a trump card on you. So you try to, I try to make sure like, oh, I'm not bruising anybody, right? Like just mm. move. But you realize, like, you're just in a room where the furniture is too small, and it, and if you're going to like, you know, have bumps and bruises. You're going to break stuff. That's just the way it is. And instead of like trying to be perfect, you just got to say, "Well, this break, let's make sure like this is a real big one. You know, like mm-hmm. it's going to have major impact." And <clears throat> for me, um, that's like the story of my life right now. Like, I'm on the brink of something big. I need I some help to get there. I should have gave you a bottle of water. I put it in the fridge for you, and I'm I'm so sorry. I'm gonna give it to you immediately. No. I'm sorry. I know I'm on the. I just know I'm there. Like I feel it in my soul. You know that's probably why I talk about sleep and like not sleeping well because I'm like I know I'm there. I know I'm there. These are things that you know you read about, and um, you know, uh, like I'm I'm almost there, and it's like Natasha, you just got it. You're the only one holding yourself back um, because you're trying to make sure that everybody else is okay. But are you okay? Are you happy? Are uh, you content? I am not. Uh, I am not. I, I say I'm, I like that question because um, I talked about my Gma. Um, through all the transitions of my life, she's been very excited. Like, oh, where's your new, what place, new locale are you traveling to? What new place are you living in? What house did you buy this time? What car do you have? And all her conversations that she greets me now with is, is your heart okay? Like, older folks know some stuff. Yeah. Um, and it really resets me because I have to keep asking myself, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, you can have all the, like, um, or of success. But the reality is that you're okay. And I feel great about the idea that I, my life has been built upon making sure that others' dreams are manifested and they're, like, efficient. And you do that in the name of the culture and you do that in the name of the people. But I have some, like, crazy, insane things that really aren't that crazy and insane that I... If I do them, they won't be that crazy and insane. They'll mm-hmm. be newfounded. Like, I'm not trying to duplicate anybody else's success. Like, I want to merge, like, the life of, like, Michael Strahan mm-hmm. <laughs> and Suzanne Schenck he, and The Rock all together. It's crazy new. that he, Michael Strahan, reinvented himself and what he's been able to do in media after his football career. And I think it's inspiring. And I think it's going to, like, a lot of 
NFL players, a lot of athletes are looking at him and people like Shaq and so on and so forth and saying, there's there's a life after sports. Mm-hmm. It, it's not it's not scary. Yeah. It's not so scary. But That's cool. you know, I just uh I think you inspire a lot of people that you don't realize that you do. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people that look at you and whether or not they want to admit it or even if they hate on you a little bit or whatever the situation is, they're like, you you inspired me or you you put like the battery in my back to go do A, B, or C. Yeah. Well, I I I take pride in that, even though I, I guess I wasn't acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. I get it a lot. I'm, face, I'm forced to face it a lot now because I'm doing a lot more local things and you get to interact with people and they tell you things. And some of them, you know, they just put you back on your heels a little bit because ultimately it's more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't acknowledge it and you're ignorant to it, then you get to do whatever. And it's just my whatever is positive. Um, but it does give me more pressure because back to my mom's question, is your heart okay? So people think like you're doing great. And I am, but it's like I'm not really happy and then I not necessarily like not happy but not satisfied and it took me a moment to figure out like that's okay Natasha to not be satisfied because I feel like I'm ungrateful like girl like you're killing it is that is that a point you think you could get to though because I realized one of the things that drives me or keeps me going as an entrepreneur is this hole that possibly is never going to be filled so when I first started law school, I had a mentor at AT&T. He was like one of like a very senior exec um, and a, a guy of color. And he said to me, and that's, I graduated law school maybe seven years ago. Um, so started, I started law school 10 years ago. And he said to me, he was like, uh, even then he said, you will be most fulfilled when you find, when you are married. He's like, I'm going to tell you this right now. He was like, there's no like job or position that's going to like, you're going to feel like you made it until you are able to create a family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one of the things that you can't necessarily plan for that what weirds me out because it's like, oh, you just don't like, you know, pull out a list and say, I'm gonna pick him. Like, well, I don't know. I think you, you have can. Order? can I you? think, yeah, you can. <laughs> I think you can do that. I guess I, I need to talk point. to more people about this situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no. being married and having a fruitful marriage are two different things, right? And I think you're, I think you're in the circle and you're you're in the right space for it, and I think when you and this is a term that term that usually has like you know like religious implications, but like you know when someone's like equally yoked and you're kind of in mm-hmm. the same space, it's 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 healthier yeah. versus someone you kind of gotta like drag along with yeah. you. Yeah, because the question is, why is your heart not okay? Mm-hmm. And while it's bravery or perfection, I want to hit certain milestones for a reason. I think that you know people you're missing ins- something. Yeah, I'm missing something, but also. Um, I don't want to do all this work and it not go on to someone else. Because what I know is that I'm doing great for someone that was like abandoned in the hospital mm-hmm. <laughs> and like left for dead. Um, but what I know for sure is that my children will be so be able to do so much more because they were but loved. I think you could have kids without marriage. I know a lot of people who, you know, yeah, yeah. the mechanics and of look, that. Look, I have all the, you know, tools and abilities to do that. Like if mm-hmm. I wanted to do it tomorrow, I could. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not an a issue. But there's something about, I guess, my own traditional ideas. Not traditional. Or... It's just really that I just come from a very, very small family. And I know, um, like, I just want my child to be able, at least if I have, at least God blesses me one, to be able to lean on someone. Like, my mom died when I was not even 21, right? Mm-hmm. And then she was the youngest of nine children. So I don't have aunts and uncles. I don't have cousins. So when you live the experience where it's just you, you always build a family out of friends. 
But, you know, I just really, for me, I really, really want my child to be able to say, my dad, I, I can't say that. I don't know who my dad is. I cannot, I've never been able to call someone dad. Mm-hmm. I would love for my child to be able to, like, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's crazy is that, I guess, the pressure is, I put pressure on myself because I'm like, Natasha, you're able to do all this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think it, there's, there's always error when it involves humans. And, I mean, I'm sure you would know who... I'm not telling you to just go out and just get pregnant by somebody. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, people have those arrangements. Because I, I have a friend who basically went to another friend and was like, hey, I want to I wanna get pregnant. Yeah, I've do been you wanna... approached to do that a yeah. couple of times. Yeah. I've not really. That's a very weird conversation to have. The second one was I, I weighed it. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you make, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but it's it was just masquerading as something else. I was mm-hmm. like, this would just be like a, um, a power trip because, like, the reality of it is the person that, like, um, pitched it to me, really wants to be in a relationship with me. So I was like, having a child just means that. Well, there you go. I'm just joking. Me I was, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Great people. You can be surrounded by great people. That doesn't mean like that's your person. Yeah. So really quick, because we got to wrap up yeah. and we've been talking forever yeah, yeah, um, yeah. about the marriage thing. Prenups, yes or no? Yes. All right, so we're gonna, <laughs> I don't want to, we're not going to go in depth with that. Um, Maybe that's why I'm not so focused on the yeah. divorce. I'm yeah, like, yeah. There you go. Uh, some people are not fans. Um, so uh, thanks guys for listening. I appreciate it. I had an awesome conversation. I could literally talk to you for another couple hours, but I keep getting flagged. And I know people got other stuff to do in the day. I'd like to thank our sponsors: Catalyst Case, Sendstroke, Wildhorn Outfitters, and of course Blue Microphone. This is Reg, and you're listening to Thought Hack.